Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all here. Um, let me turn myself down a little bit. If I don't want to hear myself talk, I don't think you do. Let me see. That might be a little bit better. We're still figuring out our setup here. So thankful for um, our church family here at uh, Friendship Bible. I'll leave this here. I'm so thankful, equally as thankful for our new friends, and so good to see y'all. Uh, finally get to meet some of y'all for the first time, Faith. And uh, it's just, uh, just a blessing to be here as one body and to just have fellowship in Christ Jesus. Um, so as we begin this morning, let's, let's pray one more time. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing in our hearts, Father, in our midst, in our country, in our nation, in our community, in our families, Father. And we want to just take a moment and humble ourselves and acknowledge that it's you. Lord, anything good, Father God, is you. Father God, we just thank you that every blessing comes from your hand, Lord God. And any strength, any might that we might have served or ran with, Lord, was only given by you. And so we thank you for your mercies. They're new every morning. So we thank you that today is a unique day. And we just pray that we would be present in the moment as you speak to us. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, just speak. Speak to your people. Speak the message you have. Father, I pray that I would just uh, die and get out of the way, Lord God, and that we would each be here as a living sacrifice before you. So, Lord, have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So today we're going to talk about what it looks like to serve properly uh, as a church. I had Pastor Mark read Job 28 this morning, and it's, it's very interesting. The gist of that chapter was... Where do you find wisdom? And all the earth and all the heights and all the depths and in all the precious stones, all the precious metals and all the gold of the earth, where do you find wisdom? And the answer is that in the world itself, nowhere. But that God himself has established wisdom. God himself determines the foundation of the world, the beginning and the ends of times, your breath, your days, your steps. God has all wisdom within himself. And he gives it freely to those who ask, who seek, who knock. And so today we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to listen for the word of God um, and hope that we can latch on to a little bit of that wisdom. You know, we uh, mentioned a friend of mine named Cole. I've been friends with Cole since high school. I met him uh, at a youth group because I almost beat him up and uh, thought he was yelling some mean things at me. Found out he was actually yelling at his buddy who has a similar name. But uh, lo and behold, we became friends and uh, lived with them for a while, became very close with his mother. And, uh, you know, a couple years back, he he shot himself and uh, the doctor said he was going to be dead. He should have been dead. He should have never made it to the hospital but he did. Um, that if he did live, he would be a vegetable, but he woke up. That even though he had brain activity, he'd be blind and deaf, but he could see and hear. That even though he could see and hear, he would never be himself, but slowly he began to move his arms. He began to be able to drink from a straw, which apparently is a big deal for brain injuries. He began to, to move in motion. Soon after he began to, to speak, we held a, a service here one Wednesday night, and we just prayed and <laughs> Golly, okay. See, so you break the cry seal, and then it's just over for the rest of the day. You just start crying about everything. 
we prayed and we worshiped and we read the word of God and we just repeated for several hours and we just cried out to the Lord for Cole and we asked specifically that the Lord would strengthen his back, that the Lord would let him stand, that the Lord would let him move, that the Lord would give him a voice. And it was just a few days later that all of that began to occur, that he began to speak, he began to stand, he began to move more than he had at the time. And to this day, um, last time I saw him, I couldn't tell anything had ever happened to him. And it was just a miracle. Not only him, but we went by his apartment uh, while he was still in Bamsey, the ICU, and to pray with his mother. Her name is Paula, sweet woman. And she had originally been given six months to live on COPD. By the grace of God, she had lived several years, but was still confined to a rocking chair. She rarely went anywhere. She didn't sleep in her own bed. She was in a rocking chair in her living room. She slept there. She ate there. She watched TV. She was on oxygen 24-7 waiting to die. And as we were at her house praying over the home because of what had just happened to her son, I remembered uh, our brother Jim kneeling down and asking her, do you believe that God can heal you? And she says, well, yes, I believe God can heal me. And he said, well, are you willing to receive it? And it took her a moment to consider that question, but she said, yes. And so we prayed over her and we left. You know, there was no bang. There was no thundering earthquake. There was, <laughs> I mean, nothing apparent happened. But a couple weeks later, I went back. She had called me and wanted me to come over. And I walk in and she's dealing with a home health person talking about medicines and things. And so I'm kind of just waiting patiently. And finally, she's just so bright and so happy. And, and she said, you know, Darren, haven't you noticed? And I'm looking at her like, what? And I'm looking at her haircut, you know, like, oh, what did I... You know, and suddenly I realize no tubes. She's not in her chair. She had already gained weight. She had no tubes on. And I, I think the only words that could come out of my mouth was, oh my gosh. And long story short, a few weeks later, she has 98% oxygen levels in her lung. And she has completely been cured of the COPD that was going to kill her that's our God. <laughs> that's our God. And um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. And we're going to talk a little bit about who our God is and who he wants to be in our midst. We're going to talk about what does it lo look like to serve the living God. And before, the reason I told those stories as we start is this. Many of us, probably all of us, come from very different denomination and uh, theological backgrounds. I know some of the people in this room grew up Episcopal, grew up Catholic, grew up Baptist, grew up whatever, trans, non-denominational, whatever that is, you know. Um, I particularly, I went to a non-denominational church growing up. I heard the gospel. Jesus loved you. He died for your sins. You needed him. And that was about the depth of my theological background and uh, I did, however, have a lot of things that I believed and held on to just because you hear them through sermons, you hear them from other Christians, and you just, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And it wasn't until I began to read the Bible for myself at the age of 19 that I began to realize, for one, I had no idea what the Bible said, and uh, for two, that a lot of the things I thought I knew um, were wrong. And that's okay. Because the Lord is inviting us into his wisdom. He's inviting us into his understanding. And the Bible is not a, a book to fear. It, it was written so you could know it, so you could understand it, whoever you are, and it was written so you could know him. There is no secret hidden wisdom. 
There is nothing Bible school will teach you that you will not get if you learn, if you read and learn and pray on your own day after day, I promise you. It's an open book. And we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 14 today because um, we've been going through Ephesians at home church on Friday nights. And in chapter 1, it says some very interesting things about the church, which is us. And it's also everyone who everywhere calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both our Lord and theirs, all over the world. One church, one body, one Lord, one baptism. Amen? And um, Ephesians chapter 1 and so forth says two very interesting and important things about the church. For one, it says that you, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Okay, I want to say that again. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. And you can go check Ephesians 1 if you think I'm crazy, right? So that means whatever spiritual blessings that are in Christ right now, in the spiritual blessings, or in the spiritual, in the heavenly places, we have been given. We have been given. And it also says that all the fullness of who God is dwells in his church. In his church. I don't know about you, but that amazes me. That's baffling to me. All the fullness of God dwells in his church. All the spiritual blessings in Christ are in us. Now, when I read that, I, I, I have to address two questions, right? I ask a lot of questions, and it's because my, my brain asks me a lot of questions, and uh, that's just how I learn. But I have to answer two questions immediately. Is this wrong? Or is something about my understanding and the way I'm living wrong? And that's a pretty awesome promise, so I'd rather be the one that's wrong. By the way, I was the one that was wrong. Um, so we're going to take a look at what some of those spiritual blessings look like and how God wants us to love and serve one another with them. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This first phrase is probably one of the most under-obeyed scriptures in all of the Bible. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. Even things without life, rather flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be made known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? 
So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For I pray in a tongue, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding, that you may teach others also, than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, listen to this, this is important. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? I was one of those guys for a long time. I thought they were all crazy. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that you all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? Verse 37. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, 
Let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. That's fun. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Whew. Okay, I'm going to have to stretch out after that one. Oh, okay, that was a lot. That was a long chapter. I appreciate you staying awake with me for that one. But it's, it's so important to just really get the context of what Paul is saying here. Um, again, regardless of your denominational theological background, regardless of mine, like I said, I had very little, there's one foundation in which the church of Christ has been built on or should be built on, and that is his word. And that is his word. More and more and more, there are people today who deny the legitimacy or the authority of the word of God. Now, they'll say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I believe he died for my sins, and oh, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven for sure, but everything else in the Bible, well, you know, that was just a good book. And I'm like, well, if you can't believe the rest of it, what makes you think you can believe the Jesus part? And if that's the only part you believe, where do you think the person who told you that got it from? That doesn't make much sense, does it? But here's the thing. The word of God is the foundation for his church. Jesus says we need to be good and wise builders, and we need to build our house upon the rock, on his words, on his commands. And so there's a couple things. I want to just work through this passage. Uh, It'll be a lot quicker than reading through it and address a couple of things as a church. First of all, again, I want to repeat, the most under-obeyed scripture in the whole Bible is probably Paul telling us and commanding us, read through it, he's commanding us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire them. Well, Darren, I've never seen spiritual gifts. Well, have you ever earnestly desired them? Well, nobody I, I ever went to church with, none of them have spiritual gifts. Well, do they earnestly desire them? Have you ever seen them pray and ask the Lord and fast and say, Lord, if you're going to use me, please do, because I'm weak and beggarly and I need you? Because I know people who have done that, and those are people filled with the Spirit. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but he said even more so, pursue love. Pursue love. You know, when we come together, when we're empowered by God's spirit, when we're saved, I'm, I'm actually writing a book um, called Save to Serve because that's literally what you were saved to do. You were not saved for yourself. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you need to understand that you were bought at a price. That salvation may have been free for you, but it was not free. Jesus gave his own life and paid his own blood to save you, to bring you into a body, to equip you so that you could go out and you could glorify the Father in his name. So that though he left physically, that he could come back in the spirit and have a greater body than he had when he was here. Because when Jesus was here, he was in one place. Now he resides, the kingdom of God resides within you in the Holy Spirit all across the world, all across this inhabitation, that he fills us if we're willing, if we're eager, if we're hungry to be filled, to be filled. I was probably 20 years old 
When I was confronted with Mark 16, in which he says, all who believe will lay their hands on the sick and they will be healed. These signs will follow all who believe is what he says. These, these signs will follow people who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they'll be healed. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll cast out demons. They'll be bit by serpents and, you know, all kinds of things, drink poison and nothing will come to them. And I say I was confronted by that, not because I'd never heard that verse before, but because it was suddenly right in my face. And I had to be honest with myself and say, you know, Lord, I've never doubted that you could do those things. But if I'm honest, I guess I've never really believed that you would. Or that you would for me, or that you would through me. And we always hear, oh yeah, in Africa. Well, what, they got a different God in Africa? Why are they doing miracles over there? <laughs> Dang. What about here? And I was 20 years old the first time I ever saw someone get healed on the spot. 20 years old. And it blew my little young adult mind. Because God had confronted me with a question. He had led me to ask in faith, and then he answered the question. I was a guy who grew up and said, you know, there's no such thing as tongues. I mean, and if there is, you know, the apostles, when they spoke, people understood them. So, you know, if people are speaking in tongues, like nobody understands them, it's a bunch of crock. It's fake. You know what I mean? What do we need that for anyways? That was my thought. That was my friend's thoughts. That was my uh, mentor who was, might as well be a pastor's thoughts. And it seemed to make sense until I read 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13. And it's interesting, uh, a common thought in the church is that the gifts were for the apostles, and after the apostles, they ceased. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever believe that? No? A lot of people believe that. And that's okay, to a degree. So, I mean, we have to learn, right? But here it is in the Word of God. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. Years after Pentecost. This is not a recent event. It wasn't like this is the day after. No, 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 no. He's writing to the church in Corinth years after Pentecost, and he's telling the believers there how they should behave, how they should order themselves, how they should worship. You know, Jesus, when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman in John 4, he says, God is looking for people who, who are going to worship him in two ways. Do you know what those two ways are? In spirit and in truth, and in truth. I wonder if we all had, we were all full of the spirit and had no truth. You think that would work out very well? I don't even think you can do that. What if we had a whole bunch of truth and no spirit? Gosh, that's so dry and empty. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. I'm not going to read all the way back through all of this, but I want to explain a couple of things to you. Um, the gift of tongues. Let's just talk about that for a second. If we are going to believe the word of God, let me say this. 
If, if you're going to believe a denomination, believe a denomination. If you're going to believe a pastor, believe a pastor. It's up to you. I'm not going to judge you for it. But if you're going to believe the word of God, then believe it. The gift of tongues is a gift. It's a gift I don't have. Okay, so I'm not biased. Okay, I'm not biased. And I'm not someone who grew up believing in such a gift. But the gift of tongues is a, is a real gift. And you need to understand a couple of things about it. So first of all, you're not deceived by the false version of that gift, because that is very prevalent. There are a lot of people speaking in tongues who are not speaking in tongues. Okay? If you have to go to a class to get it, it's probably not a gift. If you have to learn it, God didn't give it to you. Okay? I'm just being honest. But the gift of tongues, it says, it does not edify the church unless God gives someone else a gift to interpret it. But you know what it does? It speaks mysteries to God and it edifies that person. The first time I ever heard this, I had a young man who grew up in a Catholic home, didn't know anything about anything, church or religious-wise, and he said he went to a church, someone prayed for him, and now he was speaking in tongues. And I'm not unbelieving, but I'm pretty skeptical. (laughs) And so I started to question him and say, well, you know, tell me about your experience. Tell me what's going on here, you know. And he began to say, well, I mean, I don't know. I just suddenly just felt this presence come over me, and I just felt like this river just gushing through me, and I just felt the love and the presence of the Lord washed over, over me, and suddenly I was praising God, and these words were coming out of my mouth, and I didn't even know what I was saying. I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> and, and so I began to talk to him. He said, yeah, he said, I, I still do it at home. You know, I just, every now and then, I just begin to pray, and I can just feel the Spirit, and I'll begin to speak in, in these words, and I don't, I don't know what I'm saying, but I feel like, he said, I just feel like it strengthens me. I feel like it strengthens my faith, like it blesses me. And I had just read through 1 Corinthians, probably for the first time when I had this conversation. So I kind of remember it being somewhere in there. And by the grace of God, I said, well, let me, let me open the Bible real quick, buddy. And I opened right up to chapter 14. And I began to read what 1 Corinthians 14 said about the gift of tongues. And I realized it was exactly what this guy had just experienced and exactly what he was telling me. And I was kind of in awe. Because it was that event that made me take a different look at Scripture and take a different look at the body and take a different look at my brothers and glorify God and what he was doing. Rather than suddenly being separated from my brother because he had an experience that I've never had. That's not one body. That's two bodies. Amen? And he says, pursue these gifts. Ask the Lord to bless you with gifts. And if you do and he gives you the gift of tongues, amen, you're going to get edified. I hope everybody in this room gets the gift of tongues and gets edified in their spirit. And if you get it, please come pray for me because I need some edification. What's up, man? But he says, pursue the best gifts. Now, what, what does that mean? Was that, is, is, is the gift of tongues not a good gift? The gift of serving, right? The gift of miracles, the gift of helps? 1 Corinthians 12 lists a whole lot of gifts. Are those not good? No, they're great. But there's one purpose why, you're, why you are here. And it's not listening to me speak. There's one purpose why you are here. Why you are here. And there's one pers- purpose why God will gift you. And what is that purpose? It said it in 1 Corinthians 14. To edify the body. That word edify means to build up, 
to encourage, to strengthen. When Joshua Rodriguez first came back from the oil field and said, I want, he said he wanted to follow the Lord, I received the second dream from God that I've ever received in my life. I've only ever received probably like three, four, maybe. My whole life that were from the Lord. I didn't have a dream for myself. I had a dream for a brother. And I got to explain the dream to him. I got to encourage him. And the next day, it got verified like three times. And we were on the phone just crying our eyes out. I don't even remember what we were crying about. I just remember walking around my house on the phone. No one's there. And I'm just crying in my living room. Thank God that nobody's watching me because I look like a fool. That's all right. I'll be a fool for Jesus. Anybody else be willing to be a fool for Jesus? I'll do it. <clears throat> and since then, I've seen more and more and more people who are willing just to come in and to just learn the word of God, to just experience Jesus. We don't, not through any, you know, focus, you know, you got to have a 12-point system, but just to experience who he is, just to cry out for the Lord to use in them. I've seen more and more young people be filled with gifts and, be, and begin to go out and to serve. And I've begun to see God move through different parts of this community. This is proof of it because a month ago we had a quarter of the people that are in this room. And people are coming in because they're being touched by the Spirit of God through his servants, through his servants. And so we need to pray for the Lord to use us in such a way to give us gifts and to give us gifts that are necessary and that are good for blessing other people, for blessing other people. And you might say, well, I don't need a gift. I'm doing all right. Well, if your heart was to bless other people the way Jesus' heart to bless other people, you would not think you were all right without a gift from God to do that. And there are many gifts. There's a gift of teaching. I thank the Lord that the God, that God, I think I got a gift of teaching. I hope I do. Uh, God gave me a gift of teaching, the gift to speak. I used to stand up in front of a crowd. This, this group of people right here, if I had to stand up and read a paper I wrote, my eyes would begin to water. My, my face would flush. I'd get shaky. I just couldn't, just couldn't do it. Sometimes I'd walk into like, I'd go pick up my car from the oil stop and I'd walk into the, to the office where the lady was sitting behind the desk and it'd be like kind of sort of awkward. And the same thing would happen. My eyes would start watering. I'd get real weird. You know what I mean? I don't know why. It just happened. And then after I began to read the word and I began to pray every day, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Please use me. I remember I was at First Baptist Church on an Easter service and there was a man there proclaiming, you know, talking about Easter. And um, I just felt the Lord put a message in my heart and just a burning and I began to shake in fear. And I just knew if I didn't get out of my seat, I was just going to pop. And I raised my hand. I said, sir, could I please come up just for a minute? Can I just share something real quick, please? And he said, sure. And I got up and the Lord just began to speak through me. And I began to proclaim the gospel to these young adults in this Easter service. And all that fear and all the eyes watering and all those things that would normally happen suddenly vanished. And for the first time in my life, I think I was probably still shaking, but other than that, for the first time in my life, I was able to speak boldly to people I didn't even know. And to this day, I can, 10 people, 20 people, 1,000 people, I've spoken to at least five or 600 people at one time, at least, if not more. And I've never had that problem since because the Lord has given me a gift to serve other people. How has God called you to serve? How has God called you to love? 
How, what is that thing in your life that God is working through you and touching other lives that if it wasn't him doing it, you never would have been able to do it on your own? And I just want to challenge you. I'm not here to shame anybody. Or this, no, no. I'm just trying to challenge you to consider that because if it was like, well, there was that one time, that one really good time years ago where that one thing happened, I thank God for that one time, but I believe Jesus wants that one time to be yesterday, last week, three weeks ago, a month ago, last year. Did he want to use you once? No, he wants to use you every day. And if I'm asking this question, what is that special gift flowing through you? Maybe there's just a supernatural compassion you have. Maybe there's just, just this great desire where you can just give at a moment's notice to someone needs, and it just gives you joy, and you're just filled with the Lord. Maybe you have the ability to just read the word, and you just clicks when other people around you. It's not clicking. You can share. Maybe you get dreams. Maybe you get visions. Maybe you get prophetic words. Maybe you've gotten, you feel like you've gotten none of that. I don't know but I want you to search your heart and I want you to ask because I know for me, the Lord has given me very specific gifts, but he's also blessed me to be used in other gifts that I don't normally maybe use, right? I've seen people get healed by praying for him. I'm not a healer. My God is, right? There are people in this room who can testify that prophetic words have come out of my mouth and that have been fulfilled about people's life. I'm not a prophet. I met a guy once named Chris Gary at Hastings here, and uh, was sitting inside discipling a young man named Derek Beard, and the guy behind me, he asked me what cologne I was wearing. We had a very brief conversation, and he went outside on his phone. That was it. Don't even know who this guy is. And suddenly, the Lord gave me a word for this, ma- for this man. I began to pray. I just felt like I needed to say something to him, and I began to pray, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know this guy. I don't know what to say. What do you want me to do? You know, and just tell me something so he'll know that I'm from you. I don't even know why I prayed that. And the Lord spoke to me and said he had a cousin named Jarrell who died when he was nine. Actually, he didn't tell me he had a cousin, but he said someone in his life named Jarrell died when he was nine. And I was like, I am going insane. There's no way I'm going to go say this to this guy. You know what I mean? I'm like, you are tripping right now. I'm talking to myself, not God. And so I wrote it down and I showed my buddy Derek and he's like, you know that guy? I was like, I have no idea who that guy is. And I was like, I think the Lord just told me that. I'm not really sure but I'm about to go find out. So I go outside, he gets off the phone. I said, hey, do you mind if I ask for your name? He says, he says I remember, I'll never forget, his name was Chris Gary because he was a black guy. I was like, how are you black and got two white names? What's going on? That was my joke, right? Break the ice a little bit. Um, his name is Chris Gary. I said, okay, man, good to meet you. My name is Darren. I said, hey, you don't, you don't know me, do you? He said, no, I don't know you. So you're not from around here? He said, no, from San Antonio. I said, anybody in your life named Jarrell? And I was too afraid to even just spurt it out, right? And he said, he looked at me real weird. He said, yeah. I said, he was shot when you were nine, wasn't he? And his eyes just got big. And he said, yes, he was. He was shot and killed in San Antonio. He was my cousin. He said, who are you? I said, dude, I'm I'm nobody. (laughs) I said, I am nobody. My name is Darren. You don't know me. I don't know you. I said, the only reason I know that is because I prayed for you, and God told me to tell you that, so that when I tell you the gospel message I'm about to tell you, that you'll believe. And that day... (laughs) that day, that man gave his life to the Lord. Now, I don't know how he's lived afterwards. I don't know if he's doing great. I don't know if he's struggling. I know I gave my life to the Lord when I was about this big, and I didn't really start following after the Lord heartedly until I was about this big. 
So there was a little bit of a gap, right? But he gave his life to the Lord that day. If God didn't have a gift and a blessing for you to use to benefit other, why is it that the Apostle Paul dedicated an entire chapter to telling you what they were and how to use them? And this is not the only chapter. There's actually three whole chapters that Paul dedicates to what are spiritual gifts, what are their purpose, who has them, why do you have them, and how do you need to operate them? Everybody ever heard the, the, the chapter on love? Anybody? What's the chapter on love in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love. Did you know that that chapter is actually about spiritual gifts? You go back and read 12, 13, and 14, and it really should, could be one chapter. Him talking about love is in reference to how you need to use the gifts that God has given you through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read just a little bit more, and we're going to close here. Just a minute. But in verse 26, he says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together? So you're going to learn a little bit about the way I think when I read the scriptures here. Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm. Each of you has a teaching. Each of you has a tongue. Each of you has a revelation, has an interpretation. Well, let all things be done. If you've got something to say, say it to build someone up. If you think you have a word, say it out of love to build someone up. If you think you have an interpretation, do it for the good of others. But what grieves me is when I hear, when I read that, and he says, well, each, how is it that each of you has a song? Each of you has a word. Each of you has an interpretation. I think back to my life, I'm like, I don't think I've ever been in a church service like that. I know there's one guy up in the tie with a mic in his hand. He's got a word. I don't know any, if anybody else has a song. Anybody else got a word? Anybody else got a, anybody else got a prophetic dream? Anybody else got a... My point is, he's writing to the church, and a church filled with gifts, a church filled with the glory of God, and he's trying to address them because they're so filled that when they come together on a Sunday, everyone has something to give. Everyone has something to share. Everyone has something to offer. And I just want to encourage you today that maybe we should look a little bit more like this. Or did the word of God originally come from you? Or was it you only that it reached? Verse 37, Paul writes, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet, or if, anybody even, if you even think you're spiritual, please join me in the simple act of just acknowledging that the things that Paul wrote are the commandments of the Lord. That's verse 37. Verse 39, therefore, brother, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid the, speak, the speaking of tongues, but let all things be done decently and in order. I want to just encourage you and challenge you that this time, Sunday mornings when you come here, should be the smallest part of your spiritual walk. It should be the smallest part of you being fed. It should be the smallest part of your service because you're seeking God to do something with your life so earnestly that your week is filled so that when we show up here, we show up with joy. We show up with testimony. We show up with songs already in our heart. We show up with hugs. We show up with love for one another. I love this guy. 
right? I've been encouraging the leaders that I've been meeting with weekly, hey, wherever God sends you on Sunday, I don't make people come here, right? I hope they come and join us. I'd love to see you. I don't make them come here. Wherever God leads you on Sunday, if the pastor's great and you get fed well, great. But if he doesn't, so what? When you show up, you show up ready with something to give. Would you join me today and let's just start right now, let's start a daily practice of praying and saying, Lord, if you have something more for me, will you just show me? Lord, if you're willing to use me, will you please use me? Lord, if you're willing to fill me, I want to be filled. Because that prayer is the same prayer that I started praying when the Lord called me. It's the same prayer I pray today, and it's the same prayer that God has continued to answer over and over and over. Does anybody else agree that that's happened in their life? Can I get an amen from someone? Let's pray today. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord, that without your word, we would be lost, Lord. That we would each go our own way. We would each say, well, I believe this, I believe that. Well, this seems good to me. But Lord, you have declared wisdom, Father. You have declared your word. You have shown yourself true. And I pray that, Lord, we would just open our eyes. We would open our ears by the power of your spirit to just receive what you have for us, Lord God. I pray that no one here would be trapped in an empty religion. No one here would be trapped in any worship of anything other than you, not their job, not their career, not their paycheck, Lord, but that you would just begin to free us from the chains of bondage of this world, that we would remember that our time here is short and that it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength, Lord God, not our strength that brings us joy. So Lord, we come before you and we just ask that you would move, that you would guide, that you would speak truth into our hearts and lives not just today, but each day this week. And I pray a special blessing, Lord, over everyone in this room, that they would just feel prompted this week. They would feel prompted in their quiet time to just open your word. That they would feel prompted in the midnight hours to wake up and to pray, Lord, to wake up early at 5 a.m., not knowing why they can't sleep, and just begin to thank you for their life, for their home, for their bed, for their spouse, Lord God. I pray that you would just spark revival in the hearts of everyone in this room, and that we would come back different next week and the love and the joy that only you bring Jesus. Amen.